everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Locker Room. I'm your host, Tommy Tellerino. Alongside me today is my co-host, Jordan Navarro. Jordan, it's great to see you after a long week. How's it been? It's been absolutely wild. It's been a roller coaster of emotions between watching the Yankees look like the Yankees to not looking like the Yankees to looking like the Stankies and then the Bulls you know, giving me hope and taking that hope away and stepping on it a million times, breaking it in half, incinerating it, drowning it, and then pulling it back out of the fire and out of the water to getting blown out at home. I mean, it's been a wild ride of emotions, you know. It sounds like you've had a great week, I'd say. (laughs) I I, I mean, would, would you have changed it? Would you have had it any other way? Yeah, so it would have had the Bulls sweep the Bucks. What do you mean? Yeah, but <laughs> you'd have to you'd have to wake up from that dream, then, Jordan. Come on. Oh, well, of course. Like I said, we're happy to be here. But after the first game, you know, things change. Perspective, you know. It was. That's true. Uh, That's true. Got a little bit of hope, but there's no reason for that after they destroyed us by thirty on our home court for the first time in six years in front of our home fans yeah. in the playoffs. You know, without was that without Middleton too? Yeah. What do we do? We don't play basketball, I guess. You know, we're out there playing polo or something. I don't know. We weren't playing the same game as the Bucks. I know. Listen, you guys are playing chess while they're playing checkers. All right, you're in it for the long game. This series isn't over yet. You still got one. You still got two more days. Yeah, on April 26th, (laughs) the bowl season will end. Hey. (laughs) <laughs> we'll end in Milwaukee. <laughs> it's lasted longer than it has in five years. That's very true. But if we had Rajon Rondo, we might have won game one. <laughs> and if you know, we had Jimmy Butler, we might be the better team. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But since you brought up the playoffs, you know, the playoffs, we've had some crazy games so far, just back and forth. I want to start out with series though i want to start out minnesota and memphis i think that's been the best overall series what do you think well i mean we said coming into this that that had the uh the potential to be the the best series you know with i feel like the teams are just very close um obviously we said memphis is a really good team and then minnesota you know we we all know they can score but yeah i mean this series has been great it was it 2-2 right now 2-2 Minnesota actually just tied it up last night, winning by one point. Almost looked like they were going to blow it again, but held on in this one. Yeah, I mean, that (laughs) – the third game. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Things things did not go well for uh, for Timberwolves fans. It did not look good. I mean, they were in Minnesota, like Kat said, and (laughs) they blew – was it a 26-point lead? Yeah, yes. Yeah, and then last night, I think overall they just they got a little bit more help on the defensive end and help that Jaron Jackson got into foul trouble, I'd say. And what did I say? I, I called it. I said Jaron Jackson would be the X Factor in this series. Yeah. The game that Cat had, that the games that Cat has not performed well, the Grizzlies have won. Because in game three, Cat didn't perform well. That probably had the worst game of his life. I know he only shot the ball like eight times. 
Is he yes. three of eight? And he had like five fouls, like seven turnovers. It wasn't a good game for Cat. And somehow Minnesota was up big, even still with that. Yeah. That shocked me. I know, you know, Anthony Edwards is a great player, but they've had a lot of help from their role players, such as Vanderbilt. Patrick Beverly stepped up last game as well. Delo's kind of been <laughs> Delo's kind of been I I want to say off, but he's not a, some big shots though. I yeah. Would, yeah, he's been off. He hasn't looked as smooth as Delo usually looks. Yeah, but he has hit some big shots for them. He he is lukewarm water in the veins right now. <laughs> it's not ice, but it's lukewarm. So, but yeah, this has been a great series. There's really nothing else to say other than these two teams have matched up very well together, but. The the thing that stood out the most to me is that the Grizzlies don't look nearly as dominant as they did in the regular season. This not looks at all. like this does not look like the two seed. Now I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I think Minnesota is playing much better than a seven a regular seventh seed would. But Minnesota or Memphis does not look like the Memphis we saw all regular season. Game three was really close to that in that second half because I mean they just. What I think they I think Minnesota scored 12 points in the fourth quarter. They're out yeah. 37 to 12. So that was the Memphis we were expecting. But I think a lot of people underrated Minnesota and they're they're giving Memphis a run for their money. And like we said coming in, it's the number one and number two offenses in the league. And these have been some high powered offensive games so far. You know, last night John Morant had an off night. This is probably his worst game of the series. He still finished with 11 points and 15 assists, but that first half and up until like, I want to say the last minute, he didn't even make a basket. And I think if Minnesota wants to win at least one more game in the series, they're going to have to keep doing that. I would focus the defensive end on Ja. Thank you. Yeah. You got to let somebody other than Ja beat you, of course. And no, it's always easier said than done. But True. they need Cat to continue to play yeah. like this. Yeah, Cat stepped up big time and really, you know, he shot better three of five from three, eight of 17 from the floor. He still had a big turnover problem. Turnovers has just been killing him offensively. I felt like this series, I think he's already hit double digits in turnovers. But I think you got to live with that right now. And yeah. no, go ahead and finish your thought. And really, I I think if you allow him to to just play his game, the turnovers are gonna start to lessen. I think he's trying to find that groove and that's where he's turned the ball over. Yeah, he's only plus five last night. Obviously, it was only a one point game, so there's not gonna be huge plus minuses. But, you know, the six turnovers definitely didn't help his case there. Um, I'd like to see him get a little bit more active on the offensive glass. I feel like there's been a lot of second-chance opportunities that they could have, uh, not specifically last night, because, I mean, they shot very well last night. They shot 47% from the field as a team, 50% from three. Um, But (laughs) I feel like there's just been some second-chance opportunities in this series that he's just not – he hasn't been there. But, I mean, it's kind of crazy to, you know, you look at a team like Minnesota and you look at the numbers that their starters have played. I mean, they're pretty much nine deep 
like 10 deep maybe. And those guys off the bench are playing like 8 to 12 minutes a game. These guys in the starting lineup, Patrick Beverly included, is they're, they're playing 38 to 48 minutes a game. Cat played 42 minutes last night. You go look at Memphis's side. Memphis was, let's see, they were 12 deep. They had four people come off the bench and play at least 15 minutes. So, I mean, yeah. just absolutely ridiculous. The the disparity in, in depth and how Minnesota has been able to over overcome that. And they Memphis had three people over 20 minutes uh, last night. Uh, Tyus Jones, it's yeah, Tyus. I for um yeah, I get him and his brother mixed up. He he had a great night off the bench, but um Brandon Clark really stepped up for Memphis when Jaron Jackson went out with foul trouble. One thing that shocked me is Stephen Adams. You know he has not been able to defend Carl Anthony Towns at all in the first two games and. Taylor Jenkins made that move. We're like, hey, we're going to try someone else. And I'd say game three at work. Game four, not so much. And I, I'm i kind of shocked that Steven Adams is kind of just out of the lineup really right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough situation. Um, he just doesn't match up well against Minnesota at all, really. Um, and, you know, from Memphis's point of view, they got to feel pretty good about game four. I mean, they came back. They came back without jaw. I mean, he shot four of 13. He wasn't in this game, like, at all. He had the 15 assists. He tried, you know, he did other things to try to help the team win, but they need his scoring. But, I mean, Desmond Bain stepped up. He had 34. Dylan Brooks had 24. So, you didn't have Jaron Jackson because of foul trouble. He only played 23 minutes. Jaw only played 34, and he only had 11 points. So, I mean, they got to feel pretty good that this was maybe – Outside of the first half of game three, this is maybe the best stretch of basketball Minnesota has played in this series. And they took it on the chin and it was still a game. Yeah. And especially Anthony Edwards went down in this game and came back and still played over 30 minutes. I want to say he finished the night with 37 minutes. He's just stepped up big time for this Minnesota team. And it, it's just a second year. I, for me, I'm shocked at how well this kid has played at such a young age in the playoffs. I'm just glad that he's not Andrew Wiggins Jr. I'm, I'm very happy. I think Minnesota is glad that he's not Andrew Wiggins. But, yeah, I mean, I, that's pretty much been the story of the, of the series. It's been kind of punch-counterpunch, you know. Minnesota goes yeah. on a run. Memphis goes on a run. And it's been kind of like that. But a uh, a series that hasn't been like that, Tommy, um, is Celtics Nets. Yes, I I didn't I didn't know if you want to save this one for a little later or get no, it out of the just, way. You know, just bounce back and forth. Okay. Before we leave um, Memphis, Minnesota, I, I just want to say this series has it all. It has the back and forth. It has the two the two uncles at the cookout at. Carl Anthony Towns' dad, John Morant's dad. And then I'm hoping the Minnesota Vikings were watching because did you see the security guard last night? Oh, my. What is up with all of these the, these protests? Listen. Do you, know the, do you know the story behind it? I, I don't want to get into the story behind it. I, I'm just making sure. Yes. Okay. But 
I, I understand it, but what is gluing yourself to the floor? Listen, at first, if you don't succeed, you try and try again, right? Well, we've hit the try and try again. Right. That's your three attempts. We get, listen, we got to do out. something else. <laughs> other than if we're going to protest, let's get, let's buy all the courtside seats. Let's stop dressing up as a ref. <laughs> and, all get, right. and get signs or something. You know, the glue on yourself to the floor thing obviously has not worked. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they're not even talking about it on any national media. You're just getting clowned on Twitter. What? This has not succeeded. This has been the worst protest attempt I have ever seen. I get one bleacher report notification about it. And it's about how the security guard should be playing for the Minnesota Vikings. That was a that, that, that was, was an not, amazing tackle. That was not the point of the protest. Anthony Barr couldn't even make that tackle. <laughs> I <laughs> That might have been the greatest open field tackle I've seen in the past five years. In Minnesota, for sure. <laughs> security guard locked on to this fake ref in the second row. As soon as she gets up, bam, she is on the floor. I just think it's great. <laughs> I, 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 I do want to say, though, that was smart. You know, you learned from the first attempt, so we dress up as a ref. See, they're improving. We just got to get away from trying to glue ourselves to the floor. It just takes too much time. You know, we got to get something quicker than that. I appreciate the protest. I'm glad glad that they're trying to do it, but we got to do something other than glue ourselves to the floor. It's it's not working. I I don't know, like the security guards, when they walked in, you know, they have to empty their pockets and everything. I went to the Celtics game. I get questioned for an EpiPen. They're not questioning people why they have glue with them. Come on. (laughs) What is this? Especially after the first incident. Exactly. Oh, that person. Oh, he must know. He's going to glue a sign together or something. (laughs) He's going to get it signed by one of the players. Nope. Oh, but yeah, I, I just want, I've been waiting to talk about that all day. I just think it's so funny. Those two things. I love the relationship between Cat's dad and Jaws dad, even though Jaws dad looks like he could probably drop 20 piece, a 20 piece right now in the NBA. Cat's dad does not look like Cat, Cat's dad looked like he ate a 20 piece before he got there. <laughs> Let's move on to pretty much. The, the most, fans here are not protesting. In the Boston, fans here aren't protesting in Boston, but they are making it seem like it is a protest against Kyrie. Man, Bostonians look dominant. They're up 3-0 right now, and I, I'm shocked. I really am. I did not expect them to. I think it's going to be a sweep. I'm, I'm really shocked. I, I said. Had this conversation with my friend Zan. You know, he he was on the Boston train. He told me that Boston would would beat Brooklyn and that no one was scared of Brooklyn. I said, I'm not betting against KD and Kyrie. It's just when it comes to the playoffs, stars are who you got to bet on. And they have two of the biggest stars, two of the most talented offensive players in the league. You know, maybe the guy with the deepest bag in Kyrie and maybe the most unstoppable scorer in the league. So I just wasn't going to bet against him. Um, Jason Tatum is a borderline top 10 player. He, he needed to play like a top 10 player every single game this series for them to have a chance. And he has accepted that challenge and he has balled out and Boston. I discredited their depth. 
I discredited their depth, and I discredited that their defense was really that good. I knew they were good, but I wasn't really paying attention the second half of the season. But they have locked up Brooklyn. Jason Tatum has accepted the challenge to guard KD, and he's done a great job at it. Bruce Brown was the leading scorer last night. Yeah, I Bruce Brown's getting the bag if he's a free agent yeah. this offseason. Hey, you know, if you just started watching basketball, you would think Bruce Brown's like a top five player of all time. He's not. He's like top <laughs> he's like probably top two hundred thousand. <laughs> but uh I wanted to give a couple shout outs. Shout out Marcus Smart, DP of the year. Hey, the fa- the first guard to yes. win is Gary Payton, baby. And I want to shout out Jason Tatum. You know, he's top five with a cut. He's probably I, – I say right now he's top ten without a cut. Yeah, facts. And then you got Jalen Brown, who's just – I wouldn't say he's been playing stellar, but he's just been playing amazing still. He's just playing how they needed him to. Yep, he's hitting the shots that he has yeah. to hit. And then Daniel Tysel Horford stepping up. That's That's huge for him right there. And then Robert Williams is back now. I, I knew this defense was good. I didn't think it was this good because they are they have created the KD rules. We we know what the Jordan rules are. They've they've adopted the KD I mean, rules. Really think about this. This is the last game. It was a close game. Yeah. For for most of it. KD had eleven shots and he played forty six minutes. He was efficient, six of eleven. So it's not like he couldn't score. He just never got shot opportunities. Yeah, I mean, every time he gets the ball, he gets double teamed. I know on ESPN, which shout out to them, they were in the they were on the court for pregame and then made it all the way back to the studio for halftime. Shout out to that. But um, they were they're saying that that should never happen. KD should never be this underwhelming. And I'm thinking about it. It's you got to give credit to Boston's defense in this. Katie's trying to get shots. It, would you rather shoot the ball double teamed or kick it out to one of your guards? And last game, you know, you bring that up. Last game was was really looking like it should have been the Kyrie game. Yes. You know, he had a lot of shot opportunities. Um, some he didn't take. But Kyrie finished uh, – Six of 17, I think. Yeah. Six of 17, and he's 0 of 7 from three. So, a game where Kyrie had the more shot opportunities because Bruce Brown led with 19 somehow. Um, he was efficient, 10 of 19, 2 of 7 from three. But Kyrie had the second most at 17 shot attempts. He wasn't efficient. He ended up with 16 points, the same that KD had on 11 shot attempts. So, you can't discount KD for Kyrie going missing. And I love Kyrie. I love watching him play. I think he's a great player. But man, the you know he wants to keep that same energy against the Boston fans. You know, he he you know there's there's beef there. He does, I don't think it's on his side because you know he just left Boston. It is what it is. But Boston fans don't forget. You know that's the one thing they don't do. They do not forget. And he left them, and did nothing for that organization at all. Got traded there and did nothing. And yeah. he hasn't shown up. He has not shown up to to receive that retaliation and to to play well against Boston. He has not played well against Boston. No, and really, Marcus Smart's done a great job picking him up. 
You know, yeah. he picks him up almost the full court, almost every possession. And like you said, Kyrie was 0 of 7 from the field. He got into foul trouble in the first quarter. And I'm thinking, right. how are you getting foul trouble? You're not even guarding one of the primary scorers. And it's, I mean, this isn't just last game he played bad. He had 10 points game two. Yeah. He was 4 of 13. KD was 4 of 17. And then you look at you look at game one. Game one was their best game by far. It was their best game. And what did we say before the series? What would kill them is interior defense and just their lack of defense in general. And how did Jason Tatum score his game winner? Wide open. A wide open layup. It, I couldn't believe how wide open he got. I, I was thinking, too, like, they're not going to go for a three. They don't need a three. And Brooklyn is guarding the the three. And I'm thinking, what is Steve Nash doing? Steve Nash has made awful coaching decisions all playoffs. I I honestly think it's time to move on from him. I, I pinned most of the losses on Steve Nash with the coaching. KD, Kyrie do need to be held accountable too. But I I blame the Steve Nash and this trade has backfired for him this season. Yes, I completely agree. And I'm glad that you said that. Before we get to Ben Simmons, I have something to say on that. I do want to I want to take a step back and I want to say Katie and Kyrie deserve 40 to 50% of the blame. They have not played like Katie and Kyrie. Had had Katie that showed up against Milwaukee last year been playing this year, this would be a series. They probably would have two wins in this series. They have zero wins in this series. They're on the verge of being swept because they have not played like superstars. They deserve a lot of the blame. Steve Nash, we all knew what Steve Nash was. He was unqualified. He's one of the greatest point guards of all time. So you give him the benefit of the doubt because his game IQ is just that high. You know, he'll figure something out. And at times he does look like a solid coach. I don't I don't think it's the the fact that he can't coach. I think it's he can't handle these egos. You, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to do what the media does and say Kyrie's an enigma or anything, but Kyrie is a special type of personality. He's going to be Kyrie Irving. You have to let him do his thing. And that's going to, it's hard to balance that and what is the media market of New York and the circus that is around this team and has been around this team all season. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Kyrie because the next thing I was going to say, I don't know if you saw his quote from after the game where they haven't been able to gel. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, that's because you didn't, you didn't play the first three quarters of the year. Mm-hmm. If you played the first three quarters of the year, this wouldn't be a problem. And I saw, I believe it was Stephen A. Smith said this. Kyrie Irving's been in the league 11 years. He has played over 60 games four times in his career. Four times. That is unheard of for a superstar. That is crazy. And it's not because he's injury prone. That is the oh, crazy thing. Yeah. And, you know, he's trying to breathe, he's trying to usher in that new era of superstar. And he wants to bring awareness to mental health and things like that. And he's a very, he's a great activist. But at the end of the day, you are paid to play basketball. 
And if you're not playing basketball, even if you're showing up for the important games, things like this matter. And it went to show, like you said, you didn't play so many of the games and now you want to say you didn't get to get a chance to gel. Well, that's a decision you you have to have the foresight to, you know, to figure that out. You know what this roster was? Kyrie's a very smart basketball player. He's a smart man. You know, he couldn't, you can't tell me that you looked at this roster and said, yeah, KD can carry this team. He doesn't need me. Which KD's never carried a team like that. He's always had some help. And KD, I just think his mentals are off. I I think after that game, too, it's gotten to him. There's just the swarm, like all the swarming defenses got to him where he thinks he can't get his own shot. And it's kind of true. I mean, they're giving they not giving him any open shots unless it's in transition. I think he looks at it as we're down 3 0. And like no like you know, Seth Curry, he had an okay game three, but you know, not what they really yeah. needed. Bruce Brown has played huge in this series, but their paint, their interior defense has been atrocious to say the least. It's just like he looks at this team and it's like, well, if Kyrie's not gonna put up 40, and I, you know, I'm not getting my shot, I'm not putting up 40, we really don't have a chance. Yeah, and we said this too going into the playoffs. Lack of depth too hurts him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no Joe Harris, who's huge for him because he can get his own shot. Has Cam Thomas been injured? I don't think he's. They just played him. They they like Goran Dragic coming off the bench with Patty Mills uh, better. Goran has played. He didn't have a great game three, but the first two games he was okay. And Patty Mills is Patty Mills. I mean, he he was probably yeah. honestly he was probably their second best player last. Yeah. Time. I, 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 I'm a big fan of Cam Thomas. I think he's developed a lot since his short time in the league. I think I'm just looking at their wings, and it's like Bruce Brown played 40 minutes, man. Yeah, and Bruce Brown wasn't even starting at the beginning of the year. No, and I think you know, good for Brooklyn because they realized, okay, this guy could be a key piece for us, but. I know. I think it's time we talk about Ben Simmons. That then that listen, he's out for game four. They said he was going to play. He said he woke up with back soreness. We every I'm like if you can put the pieces together, the reason he's not playing is they're down three zero. Yep. And I'm pretty sure this decision probably came from above Steve Nash. Um, they're probably punting the season at this point. If KD and Kyrie go out there, put on a show, they win game game four. Ben Simmons might come back game uh, game five. There's a chance. Uh, realistically, to me, I don't think he'd play until game six. I think Brooklyn might have to show that they can win two games. Uh, but the reason he's not playing game four is because they're down 3 nothing. Yeah, and it, it just sickens me with all the talent that he does have on the defensive end in, in the passing game where he just yeah, – it's no competitive edge. Right yeah. Yeah. No competitive edge to want to play. Dude's just there to pick his paycheck up, sit on the bench, and be okay with it, which I – But let's let's be real here. How much of a help is he really going to be? If he's had – he had to work himself back into shape, obviously. You know, everyone – you know, 
the first half of excuses, whatever. If it was actual mental, you know, health and he needed that time to, that's fine. I'm not going to discredit that. But after he got traded to the Nets, it was obvious he had to play himself back in shape. He's going to have to practice, get himself back into shape. How many minutes is he realistically going to play? Bruce Brown's playing 40. Can Ben Simmons give you good a good 20 minutes off the bench? Is that valuable enough? I, I say I think he could give 20. You see, I – I don't think he should have been, been to the point where he's out of shape. You know, wouldn't they get him at the deadline? Was it was it, was it deadline well, day? I mean, yeah. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, regardless, he hadn't played. Like, yeah. even if even no, if he I, wasn't I know. in shape. I mean, he wasn't fat. He wasn't Shaq. Like, let's. I mean, he just he just he wasn't at game speed. I I think at some point you needed to bring the intensity up to try to get him back in shape once you got him. I don't think they did that. Well, I, think I don't they think they looked at it as, uh, well, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. KD played us into the play-in, so. I This team is just the biggest what-ifs. That's, that's all it is. And we haven't know, seen a full season. Little... Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know you're going to that. We haven't seen the full season any of these guys. Yeah. But you go back to even when they had Harden. I mean, when those three were on the court, Durant, Harden, and Irving, they looked unstoppable. We got to see that for, what, 20 games? Not even, I don't think. Like, I, this has been – it sucks to say this for Brooklyn fans because, I mean, they could they could win the championship next year, you know? Who knows? But as of right now, like, there's a case to be made this this might be the an even bigger failure than when they traded for – for Paul Pierce and, and KG and, and Darren Williams. Yeah, I mean, only time's going to tell just because they were in turmoil for a number of years after those trades. The the Paul Pierce, KG, all basically all of the Celtics aging stars trade. But if you're KD, you chose to play with Kyrie and you're looking at this Golden State team, I – I just think this is not a smart move. But shout out to, to Boston. As yes. Move off this series. Boston deserves their flowers. It's more about Boston playing well than it is Brooklyn playing bad. But like you said, looking at this Golden State team, um, there's not much to talk about in this series, man. They did just win. Uh, Denver won game four today. Uh, Jokic, I mean, maybe his best – playoff performance ever in today's game not maybe not purely statistically but I mean the guy gave it his all and dragged them to this game yeah and really it came right in the first quarter I want to say he was eight of eight in the first quarter yeah he just he played his heart out I felt like he wasn't really forcing anything for him you know what I mean he let the game come to him a little bit and they're able to pick up one. I These games have been back and forth. It's just the Warriors' offense is so high-powered with Jordan Poole playing at this level. Like many Steph Curry. I mean, just yeah. say it. <laughs> well, not many. I think, he, I think he's taller. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he's, he, I, I wouldn't say significantly taller, but he's a couple inches taller than yeah, Curry. Curry Jr. Yeah. This was, matter of fact, this is Jordan Poole's worst game. Yeah. It's the game that Denver won. Yeah, Jordan Poole, I mean, he shot one of five from three, three of ten. 
Clay Thompson had a great game. A game. Yeah. 12 of 20, 7, 7 11 from three. I but he's. Like... Oh, yeah. But Clay missed some wide open threes, which shocked me. He did. And then what were you going to say about Curry? I said Curry was a couple threes away from a 40 pointer. Yeah. Um, he shot a lot off the bench. I don't understand why they're bringing him off the bench for him to play 37 minutes. Um, let me just – I understand you can't play Draymond against Jokic to start the game off, but, like, let's be real here. Who's more important to this team right now, Jordan Poole or Kevin Looney? Kevin Looney played 12 minutes, dog. 12 just do the starting lineup we all know you want to do. Just put Curry, Poole, Thompson, Wiggins, and Draymond out there. Like, that's that's their lineup for most of the game anyway. What does bringing Curry off the bench and then having him play 37 minutes do? Uh, I get, like, the first two games just because you want to you wanna get him back into – a hundred percent, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was a hundred percent those first two games, but I, I don't know. I kind of like him coming off the bench. I think like it, it's kind of cool, like seeing seeing him drop almost forty off the bench. But I, I agree, it's time to get him in that starting lineup. I I've been impressed with Clay this whole series. Clay has played up to Clay's standard. And we didn't see that a lot this season. We saw flashes, but we didn't see the consistency. Yeah, I think he finally found his stroke down the stretch a little bit. Um, and that, like I said, that's the only reason I'm picking them to kind of come out of the West. And this series really it boils down to it's the same thing we said. It's too much for one seven-foot white guy to handle. Jokic <laughs> is just not – listen, man, I – you know, Aaron Gordon's a good player. He's very, you know, solid defender. He had 13 free throws. He put up 21 points. That's a good game from Aaron Gordon. 21 and six with four assists, two blocks. Most efficient he's ever been. Monte Morris played his heart out. 29 minutes, he scored 24 points. Shot five of seven from, from the three-point line. Like, they're getting these performances, and it's still barely enough in a game like this. And, you know, Jordan Poole played bad. You know, Clay Thompson Curry played good, but Jordan Poole played bad. When Jordan Poole comes back this next game and plays well, they're not going to win. And there's also some questionable decisions on Mike Malone's part. Even though he doesn't have anything other than Jokic, why is Austin Rivers playing 36 minutes? Especially 36 minutes and Austin Rivers, he had five steals. I'll give him that. He played really good defense. But Bones Highland... He had 15 points in 20 minutes. You got to get that guy out there some more. You need all the scoring you can possibly get. Exactly, because this Golden State offense might be the best offense in the playoffs with Jordan Poole on. I, I don't care about that bum, Austin Rivers. That's all he's ever been is a bum. Bones Highland is just – he's been great all year for him, and I, I get that he's young. And like, oh, oh, we don't know how he's going to do in the playoffs. Just just let him ride. And for me, the biggest thing for this Denver team that I think helped them was DeMarcus Cousins 
coming up big in the fourth quarter with Jokic on the bench. Yeah. DeMarcus Cousins, I want to say he was he had 10 points on the night. Eight of those came in the fourth with Jokic off the floor. Yeah. And the series hasn't been particularly defensive. I mean, to be fair to Denver, they have played better than I expected them to. Like, you know, I honestly expect them to come in and get blown out. They've kept the last couple games close. The first two uh, weren't too great um, at Golden State. But these last two, they just won this one. And the first game in Denver was close. It was 118 to 113. I mean, I, I expected them to get swept. So for them to get one is impressive. But like you said, let Bones, let him ride. You know, I feel like this is the perfect type of series to figure out what you got in them anyway. Because let's be honest, you really think you're going to beat Golden State? You know? <laughs> not you at do, all. Obviously, you're going to try to. You know, I'm not saying, well, you know, go out there and loudly gag around and, you know, oh, we lost game five, guys. You know, don't even need to play it. You know, it's Jokic. He could drop 50 points the next four games and you win. You know, who knows? Uh, but, you know, just figure out what you got. I don't want to see Austin Rivers play 36 minutes. I mean, you played good defense, but, I mean, you need scoring. And Austin Rivers is not going to score. I don't even think his dad wants to see him play 36 minutes. I, <laughs> I, I just don't get how this guy just keeps on getting on playoff teams and getting these big roles because he does nothing in these roles. He does not. He did nothing in Houston. He was nothing with the flippers. His daddy gave him that contract. But I, I don't know, man. This series has been as we predicted. It's two yeah. left for one seven-foot white guy. Uh, do you want to go to the other white guy? Mm. No, let, let's go to the, the the series that's going out just as we predicted it to as well. Uh, my Chicago Bulls have been blown <laughs> off the floor back-to-back games. Um, let's, let's, you know, we'll make this really quick. The first game, Milwaukee played extremely sloppy. Uh, the game one bucks is a real phenomenon. They just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they just call in to work on game one and they just don't play that well. I mean, it seems to be the trend. They're terrible in game ones. They were terrible in game one against the Bulls in Milwaukee. And somehow the Bulls looked at the scoreboard and realized that they weren't getting blown out. And they got the courage up and, and the energy up to make it a game. But DeMar DeRozan was not DeMar DeRozan in game one. And they lost. I mean, Levine, Vooch played good for the first three quarters. The fourth quarter, he disappeared. And DeMar DeRozan was terrible all game long, uh, to put it lightly. I mean, that, that's pretty much, would you say that's how game one went? Yeah. And then game two, uh, the Bulls stole one. DeMar DeRozan put up 41. Zach Levine had an efficient 20-point game, and Booch had an efficient 24-point game. They stole one. That's the best the Bulls are going to play. Game three, like I, like I said at the beginning in our intro, the first play, home playoff game in like five years. You know, everyone's excited. Um, they don't have Chris Middleton. You know, there's new energy. They brought the hope back to Chicago. They lost by 30. Uh no one played well. Not a single person on the team. I think Vooch hit his first two threes. It was pretty exciting. Uh, we ended up getting outscored 33-17 to 17 in the first quarter, so that wasn't really 
you know that that didn't amount to much (laughs) but you know cool and in this last game today that was played at noon um it was 25 to 22 at the end of the first quarter that's as close as we got um it was 119 to 95 at the end like i said we're just happy to be here I would have liked to see us get beat by someone other than Grayson Allen because he's the reason we're playing this team in the first round to begin with. But guess what? We let Grayson Allen score his most points since his senior season at Duke. He put up 27. (laughs) So uh, they shot 52% from three. I know, you know, Levine and and DeRozan and Vooch are known for their defense. But guys, Grayson Allen put up 27. Levine, you put up 24. DeRozan. You put up 23. You had minus, your plus minus was minus 24. You cost us more points than you scored. I mean, it's impressive. Also, the bench unit for the Bulls has been predictably god awful. Kobe White is not an NBA caliber player. Derek Jones Jr. is 6'6 and 100 pounds, and we got him guarding. Giannis like listen the team they don't match up well Giannis is Superman and DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine walked off the court early in game four they've thrown in the towel uh I expect to lose game five I don't know by how much I would like to see us you know maybe make it a game lose by like five or ten but yeah this series is over um predictably there's nothing else to talk about in this series there's been nothing other than chris middleton being out which may hurt the bucks down the road he's out they're going to reevaluate him in two weeks but considering they're about to beat us in five maybe the rest of the eastern conference maybe the nets make a comeback and you know the celtics got to play them a couple more games and chris middleton can heal anyway because this is going to be an early exit they should have slept us but yeah i mean that's the biggest development out of the series is that chris middleton's hurt because everything else is as predicted I'm gonna move on. What? <laughs> I, I I don't really have anything to add to that series. I think you you nailed everything. Um, oh, Zach Levine did have 13 assists today, so shout out Zach Levine because his shot was definitely not falling. I don't know yeah. how he got 13 assists. I mean, but I. Giannis has played good this series, not not his best. I'd say that that's that might be a, a positive by Chicago. I I don't know. Would you say it's been his best series? No, but I mean he's playing Nikola Vucevic. He didn't have to yeah go out there and set the world on fire. We have a rookie pet or not rookie? He played second good. Year, second year player Patrick Williams has played okay. He had a good game, but I mean you're you're asking him to guard Giannis and. He, the the poor kid has been injured Listen, all season. There's only so much he can do. The paw has not shown up. He he broke his foot, right? Uh, wrist. Wrist. A certain someone got injured for almost all of his second season in Chicago. It, you're right. It was Michael Jordan did get injured. He also uh, lost in the first round his second year. To a, to, to a team that had a green color. <laughs> That's where the comparison stops. So moving on in the playoffs to a series that is much more competitive and very uh, less depressing for a fan base. Let's talk about Dallas and Utah. Well, 
Utah is a fan base. <laughs> There's a joke I want to say, but I'm not going to say it. Um, so the, the story of this has been, well, Luca did not play the first three games. Man, you both predicted that if Luca missed more than two, we would take Utah to win this. Now, me and you also agree that Utah is overrated and that this team is probably going towards getting blown up than more than it is going to the finals. So, Tommy, take it away. Um, really, you know, game one, I'll just do a full game game or four game recap. Sorry, I can't talk. I'm, uh, I don't know what's going on today. But uh, game one, it was back and forth, I'd say, right? Donovan Mitchell had a big second half. That was about it. Game Bogdanovich two. put up 26. Bogdanovich had a good game. Rudy Gobert did nothing as usual. <laughs> Five <laughs> points. <laughs> All on free throws. Uh, 17 <laughs> rebounds, though. Game two, I'd say it was a, a Dallas as a whole just outperforming. Yeah, and you know, don't forget that Jalen Brunson put up forty. Was that points. was that game two or game three? Yeah, it was game two. Game two, okay. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I thought that. Wait, they've played four games. Four, four games. They have. Wow, that's crazy. I, I thought they played three. Um, uh, and then game three. Uh, what happened? I I don't watch Utah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Jalen Brunson, uh, going back to game two, Jalen Brunson yeah. put up 41. I have, I've heard that Donovan Mitchell is a pretty good defender. Um, I haven't seen, seen it. Haven't seen yeah. it. Jalen Brunson put up 41. I've watched every game in the series. He can't check Jalen Brunson. He's running like Paul George did from Luka. Uh, Mike Conley has definitely lost a step since the grid and grind days. Um, it's looking more like slide and grind or bump and grind. He is not staying in front. And he's falling down. Um, no, Joel Embiid's falling down, but we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Rudy Gobert, uh, not doing much on the offensive end. He's trying to keep this defense whole. But the story of the series overall has been Utah's inability to guard Jalen Brunson or the perimeter. The Mavericks are getting any three-point shot that they want. Game two, they shot 47%. So Jalen Brunson explodes. You know, you're thinking, well, you know, there's no way they can they can do it again. You know, they'll figure out how to stop Jalen Brunson. Nope. Wrong. Game three, he scored 31. Uh, and they shot a little bit less impressive from three. You know, only 43% in the third game compared to Utah's 32%. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has scored like 30 points every game, but I mean, I need more than that. I mean, Jalen Brunson has 31, dog. I need you to stop him. Rudy Gobert put up his uh, career high at 15 points in game three. <laughs> <laughs> Bogdanovich had another good game. He had 24. He's been probably their second best player, but like I said, the story of this, they can't guard the perimeter. Uh, Dallas continued to get shots off. And it was pretty convincing wins in game two and game three. It was back and forth, like you said. But the the story 
the one that I want to talk about the most is game four. I think this is where the series yep. has turned. I think this is what the series is going to look like the rest of uh, the rest of the series. Luca came back. Um, he did not play as well as I thought he would, to be honest, at least in the first half. But in the fourth quarter, Luca Magic showed up. He hit some insane shots down the stretch. And this game was extremely back and forth. Uh, but Dallas went on a tear starting in the third quarter. They took a pretty decent lead. Utah fought back. They ended up losing 99 to 100 to Utah. And they lost on a Rudy Gobert lob. Uh, it's the perfect play. Donovan Mitchell doesn't pass the ball to Rudy Gobert. I'm assuming the Dallas Mavericks probably have the statistics on that. No one in their right mind, no one in the state of Utah or Texas was expecting a Rudy Gobert lob. And Donovan Mitchell decided, let me make a play for once in my career that isn't me hitting the shot. And Rudy Gobert got his shining moment. One shining moment. <laughs> he got his shining moment. <laughs> he slammed that thing home. He French tickled that defense <laughs> all day. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I did not expect a double-double out of Rudy Gobert back in the fourth game. I want to clarify, I did watch this series, but for some reason, game three was so forgettable for me. I don't know why. I, but game four, game four is really good. And like you said, you know, where's Donovan Mitchell? Why why is he not guarding these top players? You want to know who was guarding Luka on those final possessions? Rudy Gobert. Yep. I mean, shout out to him for trying to guard a guard for the first time in his life. He's hitting all he's hitting all achievements today. If you go if you go by their defensive rating, their defensive rating is always worse in the playoffs. And you would assume that having a defensive player of the year like Rudy Gobert would that would not be true. The issue is Rudy Gobert can't guard the perimeter. Okay. He's the best rim protector the league has seen in a while, maybe since Prime Dwight. That is his role. He's not a good perimeter defender. He really can't even do switches. Utah's strength was their defense. They don't have Joe Ingles. Royce O'Neal is 6'4". Jordan Clarkson has never played defense in his career. And their bench, Daniel House Jr., probably their best perimeter defender because Bogdanovich is slow. Okay, he's lost a step. He can still give you points. He's not going to give you that great a defense. And Mike Conley, like I said, has lost a step. And Donovan Mitchell has not stepped up to take a top defensive assignment. Daniel House Jr. was maybe like the sixth, seventh best defender on those Houston teams. Like he was coming off the bench. He was deep in the bench rotation as well. So that really goes to show how far Utah's defense has fallen. Um, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker can't crack the playoff lineup because he adds literally nothing to the offensive end of the court. And you can't have the guard version of Rudy Gobert on uh, in the game. So this, this series has come down to Utah's inability to guard the perimeter. And that is why Rudy Gobert look, has looked as bad as he has looked. Because, I mean, you can't ask the guy to block every single dunk attempt or block every single layup. I, I mean, at some point, you got to stop him at the three-point line. I, I mean, we've always said, oh, Donovan Mitchell's a great defender. 
Where is it? Where is it? Luca came back off a calf strain, and I was more impressed with what he did in the 34 minutes he's played than any of the minutes that Donovan Mitchell has played. Yeah, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, I, I think he said this latter. Maybe it was in the bubble for the playoffs. He hot like he's just hidden. He's he gets a lot of he gets bailed out a lot by his team. He gets a lot of points and he's a good scorer. And you know, I just I don't think he's the guy on a team. I think Donovan Mitchell is better suited to be a second option. Yeah. And this Utah team, this is the worst iteration of the Utah team. You know, they were very efficient in the second half. Push comes to shove, man. Their inability to not guard the perimeter and Rudy Gobert cannot do anything against small ball. He can't because all he can do is dunk. He has his bag is not a bag; it's a tin cup. He has dunk moves. That's that's what he's pulling out. He can give you a one-handed dunk or a two-handed dunk. That's it. Don't ask him to do anything else. And if he had any sort of offensive capabilities the lack of size that Dallas has would be punished. But because he can't, what's stopping them from playing Luka at the five? You know? Like, who cares? Exactly. And let's hear a prediction for how the rest of the series goes. I think Dallas is going to take it. I think Dallas should have won this last game. But I think we saw they're going to need Jordan Clarkson to play great if they're going to win this series. He's going to have to hit a lot of shots. He's going to take a lot of shots. We know that, but he has to hit them. Six or seven, they take it. I'll take them in seven because I did notice that the offense definitely changed when Luka came back. You know, when Jalen Brunson was running the show, there was a, everyone was getting involved. Yeah. Luka came back, everyone passed the ball to him and just got out of the way. <laughs> so they're going to have to get back to getting everybody involved. I need to see Jalen Brunson still being a focal point. He did take 18 shots. I like to see that. But I want to see more shots for, for Spencer Dinwiddie. He only had nine. I want to see more shots for uh, uh, Josh Green as well. And I want to see Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock to continue to hit those threes. So they can't get stale on offense. I know Luka, is, it's fascinating to watch him work, but you can't just pass the ball to him and ISO for 20 seconds. That You can't do that. He can't just go, hee, hee. You, you got to at least get the ball moving more than one pass. And I got two questions for you about Utah. Quinn Snyder, is he gone if they lose in the first round? Yes. Do you, do you think he ends up with the Lakers? No, I don't think he'll take the Lakers job. Do you think he could be a playoff coach for another team? Yeah, I like Quinn Snyder okay. as a coach, but I think if this team loses – they have to tear it down. Obviously, Rudy and Donovan Mitchell don't want to play together. I don't, you know, listen, I understand that stats aren't everything and that only two passes to somebody, they're more efficient because he only passes it to him two times. And, you know, they don't need Rudy Gobert on offense. That is your second best player. Whether you like it or not, Rudy Gobert is your second best player. And Donovan Mitchell does not even want to pass him the ball on offense. You're not going to win with that. Would you take? You're either going to have to rebuild around those two and get a whole new set of wing defenders, which is going to be impossible with how much you paid Bogdanovich and Mike Conley. You're not wrong. Or you're going to have to tear it down. Okay, I lied. I I have two more questions now. 
Would you rather have Tingus Pingus or Rudy Gobert? Rudy Gobert. Okay. Rudy Gobert is an elite rim protector. That's all he is, though. And then my last question. If Donovan Mitchell gets traded, say he asks for a trade, does Dwayne Wade sell his ownership? Yes. All right. I just want I just want to want to know. Uh, I say I say we go back east, Philly, or do you want to go Suns, Pelicans next, Philly, Raptors? Let's talk about Drake's baby Raptors showing up. The six uh, gods. In game four, they take it 110 to 102 over the 76ers. Um, Spicy P was everything that you could want. We got the whole experience this last game. Put up 34 points, five assists, eight rebounds, two blocks, and a steal, plus 13, plus minus. He was great. OJ Ananobi was great. Gary Trent Jr. was kind of inefficient, eight of 20, but he put up 24 points. I'll take it. Uh, you know, well, let me clarify. OJ Ananobi was great defensively. The man shot three of 13, but he did his job on defense. Um, but the moment of this game for me, you know what it was. I got to see Thadjik Johnson, baby. Thadjik right. the second best player on the Bulls last season. He was in his bag, and he made Joel Embiid touch earth and hit the shot. He did. Some, I thought he. I thought he was going to shoot it just based off the principle. You know, you make somebody touch earth, they fall down. You got to shoot it. You know, I thought he was going to miss. He hit it. Nylon, nothing but bottom. Flash. That's pretty much it for the Raptors. Like, this was their game. Other than that, it's been the Joel Embiid show. Yeah, for for those of you who don't know, Jordan is a huge Thaddeus Young fan. Magic. Magic. Basically, if Jordan were to ever be in the NBA, this is what Jordan would be. Is Magic Johnson, and we we saw him ball out numerous times for the Bulls last year. They just didn't win the games. That was the problem. I'm glad he's on a winning team now with uh, the Raptors. Too bad they were down 3-0. But I I just can't. Man, these two teams are salty towards the refs, man. <laughs> Very salty. We saw it was a game two. Uh, Nick Nurse complained to the refs. Yes. And then we see game four, and I'm so, I'll am go back to it. game two, Joel Embiid saying stop complaining, and then all he did game four was what? complain. Lightly. He said he didn't say that exactly, but yes. <laughs> I, I can't say what he – Yeah, he, he used some choice yeah. words. But um, I, this has just been, like you said, the Joel Embiid show. I don't know how yeah, it's going to go. Maxie. Yeah, Tyrese Maxey stepped has, up. Has popped off. And we, um, Tobias Harris has been Tobias Harris, I say. Yeah, he's I don't been think a he, little disappointing, but like, yeah. at this point, he's done what he did all year, which is disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> and then, James Harden has not looked great, but James Harden has Joel Embiid now, so he doesn't need yeah. to look great. And then just the saltiness from Doc Rivers saying, oh, I'm not going to complain like Toronto does. I'm, I'm like, come on, really? Come on. I know your larynx is shot, but, 
you don't have to be throwing shade at the other team. I get that you lost one game, but move on. It's not the ref's fault. It's not the refs. It's not their fault. We're just better. Joe and B, 3-1, baby. We're coming for the sweep, Drake. No way. It's 3-1. Drake. Uh, <laughs> Only with my bed and my mama. Shout out. Shout out, Scotty Barnes, mm. rookie of the year. Shout out, Scotty. That was, a, that was a great race. I did not expect him to win it, but. It was close. Shout out to the six. He got on Drake's Instagram story. I know the, the clout's going up, Scotty. I know you got some new followers. That, that boy about to have the drip in the offseason. <laughs> but um, F- Federico, Fred Van Fleet went out. Really, Toronto, they kind of got hit with an injury bug in this series. You know, game one, we saw a couple key players go down, such as Scotty. I healthy, maybe they take it to six, but Philly just looked dominant. And I think because they get to the line, I want to say they've gone to the line numerous times this series and probably way more than any other team. I don't know the exact number. Yeah. Um, this there's been a lot of free throws in this series. Yeah. And to be honest, I expected 76ers to kind of blow them out of the water in that department. But they actually shot 10 more free throws than 76ers um, in this last game. And, you know, the Raptors have – they've done what they can do on offense. They have a very – I mean, it's just like all their wings are so lengthy and they're not a very big team, but they have a lot of length. And I feel like they've been able to use that as well as they can. But at the end of the day, I mean, Joel Embiid is – even with a torn thumb. I mean, he didn't play that great in game four, which is really – that was kind of the primary reason they lost because he didn't play that great and James Harden shot five of 17. I mean, he's been hit the whole season, the whole series. No one's talking about it. James Harden has not had a good game in this, in this series. Yeah. I mean, like you said, though, he doesn't need to. But uh, it just continues the – if I'm going to play bad, I'm going to play bad uh, for James Harden. <laughs> Not so much Doc Rivers right now. Just give it a series or two. One. One to be. One to be. Yeah. But um, five games. Does Philly close it out next game? Um, I'll take the Raptors again. I think they'll take them six. Take them six. I, I don't know if Van Fleet's going to play again. That's oh, yeah, That'll be yeah, huge. He did, he, he did go out. If Van yeah. Fleet doesn't play, I'll take the I'll take 76-5. Um, Toronto, it, it's crazy because this is still kind of a young team. And these players have been there for a while. Like, Spicy P's been spinning there for a while. And then OG, <laughs> OG Anunoby's been there a while now, I feel like. Fred Van Vliet's been there for a while now. And I feel like those players aren't even reaching their primes yet. Maybe Spicy P, but. They have it's a full just season of Siakam and Scotty Barnes takes that next step next year. I think a lot of people are going to be sleeping on the Raptors. Um, a lot of people slept on them this year. I think they kind of got screwed with who they got in the first round. I think if they had played yeah. the Bucks, I think they matched up better against the Bucks, even. Um, you know, Giannis is just as dominant as, of, as Joel Embiid, maybe even more dominant, but I feel like a lot more of their scoring comes from the wings and they could have matched up better there. Uh, but it is what it is. 
I, I like the Raptors' future, though. I think they have a very bright future, and it's not going to be a very long rebuild like some people thought. No, they their rebuild was like that. I mean, Sacramento's still trying to recover in their rebuild from 15 years ago. So, um, and speaking of another rebuilding franchise, um, the Pelicans are down 2-1. Yes. And, you know, Zion did not play against the Clippers like I thought. Uh, he hasn't played in the series. And I thought for a second, um, the game won. There's not much to talk about. Uh, the Suns won it pretty handily. They were, I think they were in the lead the entire game. Uh, I think the Pelicans, did the Pelicans take the lead in the third, maybe? Probably who, for like who, a minute. Who cares? They lost yeah. by 11. Uh, Chris Paul continues to show why he's a Hall of Famer. And, you know, for as much crap as he gets for his playoff reputation and the injuries, when he has been on the court in the playoffs, he's absolutely excellent. And it, it continues. Game two, uh, Devin Booker went down. He was he was rolling. Okay. He was having a game. He dapped up a baby. Um, <laughs> and then Chris Paul had an off night. And, you know, that baby dap, you know, it hurt Devin Booker's hand. And that baby's not, strong. It's not his actual injury. That's a strong baby. <laughs> but uh, it was a Brandon Ingram show. He had he had a great night. CJ McCollum put in his 23 points, rolled out of bed and got 23. I mean, that's pretty much what he's done his whole career. And Brandon Ingram put up 37 and had maybe the game of his career. And uh, then game three, Chris Paul put up 19 in the fourth quarter and they lost. <laughs> yeah, I, but honestly, Pelicans only lost by three in game three, too. Pelicans it very it yeah. took all 19 of Chris Paul's points in the fourth for them to yeah. for them to win. And he had a he had a rough night going into the fourth. He only had, I think, nine points, eight points, nine points. Um, but like I was talking about, I came into the segment talking about rebuilding. I there's a reason for that. I thought after the Devin Booker injury, they would smell blood in the water. And they would let Zion play at some point. They would retract that he was out for the season that maybe he had a chance to play in the series. No. From what I've heard, it's 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 the Pelicans. They don't want him to play. They want him to get fully healthy, whatever they may define that as. And Zion has been wanting to play. Uh, I feel like this is going to sour the relationship. Oh, 100%. Zion is going to end up forcing his way out. But, man, I really wanted to see them play Zion in the series after Devin Booker went out. Because, honestly, with how good they have played this series, Zion might be the thing that can swing this in their favor. Yeah, I mean, Pelicans right now, they don't have a big to guard Aiton. No. Aiton's been playing really good. That could be Zion guarding him right now. Zion's not the best defender. But he's definitely going to get you some block shots and create some more possessions. Yes. And, I mean, Valanciunas hasn't done much. Yeah. He's, he's an okay rebounder. Um, it's like a Steven Adams. And, you know, they've kind of shut out Jose Alvarado. You know, he had his um, his moment down the stretch. But Chris Paul is not letting him get those steals. Yeah. No one has really been letting him get those steals. I would say, honestly, CJ McComb, Brandon Ingram, obviously – the third best player outside of that has been Herb Jones. Uh, Herb Jones is a great defender. Um, 
for rookie. He'll he'll get even better. I think he's going to be a, an All NBA level defender eventually. But like that's been their third best player, you know. And that they played these games close. I go back to it. Zion may be maybe the factor that can swing it in their favor. Yeah, I I just don't know why. If you're New Orleans, I mean, you're telling me he's not healthy yet. I feel like even he is saying that I I want to play. Get him out there. This this could be a turning point in your franchise. You have literally done nothing since you've been in New Orleans. Nothing. Anthony Day-to-Day Davis had, like, one playoff series win. It's And if, to come out there and be a one seed, potentially. Even in one game. Yes. Is a huge. huge thing. Huge, for a team that they finished <laughs> 10 games under 500. And they have – and they – they won like convincingly game two. They won yeah. by eleven, and then game three. I mean, like you said, they it was close. They were leading most of the fourth. And honestly, game one, yeah, they lost by eleven. You know, they kind of they lost handily. You know, the, the score was closer than it appeared. But you haven't gotten blown blown off the court yet. It has not looked like a complete and utter mismatch, like some of the one versus eights look like. Yeah, and I, you're telling me that Zion's not healthy. I mean, if uh, of course we don't know, right? We don't have any sources. This is all what we see off of Twitter or you know from ESPN articles or whatnot. But you're telling me that there's not even a chance. I mean, you're not doing scrimmaging, man. Yeah, four v four, five v. So he's he's obviously healthy enough to pl- do basketball activities. So that means he's not far off from giving you some minutes. Obviously, he's not going to go out there and give you 40. But 15 minutes of Zion Williamson might have won you game three. Yeah. I, it might have won it by double digits. I mean, we saw what happened in his in his debut. Yeah. Right? Where'd like, he go? He, six of six from three to yeah, start out the game? Like, the, the amount of energy he brings. Yeah. He's one of those guys where just... When he's in the game, it may not look, it may not seem from his personality, but he brings that energy because the fans just get into it because he's just a player that you want to see performs highlight plays. And shout out Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum in the game three. They combined for 64 points, 34 from Ingram, 30 from McCollum. I see this game or this series going to six. I think they steal one more, but Phoenix is just a little bit. I think just too much for them. I mean, they too much depth last, last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is not. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, I mean, we picked you to get swept. I mean, we thought Phoenix was going to destroy you. So to go six with Phoenix, it's you know, it's, it's a great thing. Yeah, and. Even without Devin Booker, you know, the Phoenix will make the excuse, well, we lost two games because Devin Booker was hurt. Even without Devin Booker, Phoenix should beat that team handily. Yeah, I mean, you still have DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul. Cam Johnson coming off the bench. Yeah. It's – I don't know. Phoenix, you better hope that Devin Booker comes back quick and 100%. Because they could be in a rude, rude awakening next round and rounds after. Yeah, and especially, you know, there's always the what if. 
with Chris yeah. Paul. And, you know, I love Chris Paul. He's one of my favorite players of all time. And I want to see him finally get a ring. But you can't ignore – they've been fluky sometimes, yes. But you can't ignore that every playoff run, it seems to happen. Yeah. It seems like he's cursed. And maybe maybe it took sacrificing his teammate, right? Maybe Devin Booker being the one that gets hurt is what's going to finally get Break him. Break that the, curse. Yes. But who knows? But Anything else you want to add to the nah, series? Let's let's move on to our our final one. Yep, Miami Atlanta. final I'll Miami and Atlanta, and right now game, man. it's game four. Miami's up eighty five sixty five. Game one, Miami won pretty convincingly. It was the Tyler Hero show, really. And game two, back and forth. Uh, Jimmy Jesus came out, put up forty five. G stands for gets. Jimothy at 45 points. Third 40-point performance in Miami playoffs for him. I want to say he that's top three. D. Wade and LeBron are on that list with him. But um, game three, back and forth, Atlanta stole one. They Trey Young stepped up in the fourth, had his best quarter of the series, had some help from his teammates, and they got one. As for game four, just all around performance by the Heat so far. Uh, Jimmy Butler, 26 points. Uh, PJ Tucker, 14 points. PJ Tucker's played really well offensively in. I want to say three out of the four games so far. Bam has been a little quiet. And Tyler Hero not having a great game, three points. Max Strews in the starting lineup now, 12 points in this one. He's come up with some clutch threes. Gabe Vincent off the bench has done his role. Victor Oladipo cracks the lineup tonight with Kyle Lowry out. Kyle Lowry has a hamstring injury. That was big in game three for Atlanta. Victor Oladipo just playing that defensive role for Miami. There were rumors that he wasn't going to crack the lineup because there are personal problems between him and Jimmy Butler, they said. But it looks like they put things aside and they're trying to get a dub. And Atlanta, honestly, Trey Young has been off his whole series. I know he had 24 in game two, but he had 10 turnovers. Miami's just getting after him. He's had some help from uh, Kevin Huerter, but it's been mostly coming from Danilo Garnari and Hunter. I just think Miami's going to close this one out in five. They've just been too much for Atlanta, and that's really all. Yeah. Um from an outside, you know, unbiased perspective, I, I mean, I agree. This <clears throat> Atlanta just doesn't have enough to beat Miami. Um, I give credit to Trey Young. As much as inefficient as he is sometimes, there is no doubt who's taking the final shot on that team ever. And he's yeah. willing to miss that shot 100 times out of 100. But he's going to take it every single time. And like you said, he's been inefficient. He hasn't really done much, but they stole one. And that's really all you can ask from out of the first three games. Uh, they are down 20 right now. Um, so maybe they can they can pull 
pull an upset again? Probably not. There's only nine minutes left, but who knows? You know, crazier things have happened. But going into game five, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll take Miami at five. Uh, I think it's exactly like you said. Miami's just been pretty dominant this series. Yeah, and, you know, I didn't I didn't think Trey Young was going to be this efficient because coming into the game, he's shot 14% from three. That, for someone who's known to be a great three-point shooter, that is just awful. I, yeah. That's like 20 points below uh, league average. I know he shoots a lot of them, but still. But he's doing his best tonight. And right now, their best player is Hunter. Hunter stepped up. I I think we've been waiting for him to step up. You know, he had a good season compared to last couple. But I think this playoffs, he's kind of taken that next step and taking a bigger role, which I think is good for Atlanta because yeah. that's that solid wing player that they need because they can't run, rely on Gallinari for, the, for years to come. Well, other than that, I really don't got much for the series. I mean, honestly, out of all of them, it's been the most boring, you know? It's, yeah. It's been as expected. I think even game three, I'm not even convinced that the Hawks even won that one. You know, they, you know, they win it, but it didn't look clean. I mean, in the, I think in the third quarter, they outscored 31 to 16. So, I mean, it's just Miami stole one. That's really what it is. They stole one. Or not Miami, Atlanta stole one. Yeah, Miami collapsed in the fourth quarter, game three. I want to say they were up 16 at one point. And I just think they couldn't find a rhythm without Kyle Lowry yeah. in that one. But Trey Young hit a great floater to win the game. He did. I As soon as he put up that shot, I'm like, that's going in. And like he said, they stole one. But um, it'll be an interesting matchup next series with Embiid hurt. I think Philly's going to have trouble. Well, we got to see how big it really impacts him. You never know. True. But playing with ligament damage is never great. So, yeah, true. And that is is there anything else you want to add to the NBA? Uh, I want to give the Celtics their flowers again. What yeah. a performance against the Nets that they're putting up. And I want to I want to drill that home because a lot of the media's you know pinning it on KD and Kyrie, which is fair. But the Celtics have had a game plan and they have absolutely executed it to perfection. Yeah, and honestly, I did not see this from Boston. You know, coming into the year, I always said they're going to be around the eight ten seed all year. In the second half, they turned it on, and they've shown why they are the best defensive team in basketball. They create havoc. It's pure chaos on the offensive side for whoever they're facing. And they've done a great job. And that it? Yeah, that's it for me. All right. And now, now, you know, it's been about almost a month of baseball. We've seen some ups and downs from every team. Jordan, I know you uh, have been upset with your own fan base, right? Well, let Do you want to go into that, that now or we'll, we'll leave that. That's that's but yes, I have been disappointed and upset with the Yankees fans 
but I don't want to talk about the Yankees first. I want to discuss something a little bit lighthearted before I get into my Okay. You may laugh at it. You probably will laugh at it, but um, Cincinnati's 3-13, and 13, and I want to take this moment to congratulate the owner of the Cincinnati Reds and the president of the Cincinnati Reds for cutting payroll. Congratulations. You traded all your good players, and you said that we're still competing and that these moves that we made were to compete. And the only reason anyone will turn in, tune in to watch this sorry excuse of an MLB team is because Joey Votto is still there and they're hoping he gets traded to a contender. And Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo are good players, good young prospects, and people will want to watch them and watch their growing pains. And Jonathan India is okay. That's it. There's no other reason to watch the Cincinnati team. They're awful from top to bottom now because you traded. What, what was the purpose of trading all these pieces and saying that you still want to contend? They have a minus 41 run differential. They are 3-13. and 13. It's awful. That, that is worse than the Orioles at 6-9. Awful. Even Washington has six wins. Yes. And Washington has, I think, well, I want to say they have the second worst run differential. Yeah. Uh, minus 38. They've given up a hundred runs. But that, that was my piece. That's the only I wanted to get that out of the way because I knew we weren't going to talk about the Reds otherwise. I just wanted to congratu- <laughs> congratulate the president for cutting payroll. Would you rather uh, have a team do that or do what Oakland did this offseason? I mean, it's pretty much the same thing, is it not? Oakland traded all their pieces, and then they didn't spend any money in free agency. It's The only difference is Oakland's GM and front office is elite at what they do, and the Reds are run by hamsters on wheels. They're run by the Cincinnati Zoo across, across <laughs> the road. <laughs> but off of that, I don't want to talk about bad teams. I just want to – I want to – let's just – bounce around the league a little bit yeah. uh, we won't stay on the topic of mlb long it's april you know a lot of these starts yeah. don't just really matter we're just going to give an overview of what the beginning month has looked like but let's start off with the you know west um on national beer day seth beer hit himself a walk-off home run shout out to arizona that's been pretty much the highlight of their season thus far they're six and ten not much has happened out in arizona it's a rebuilding season um san diego They've looked like San Diego, I guess. They're 10 and 7. Um, they've had they've already had some injuries, which is to be expected with that roster. They don't have Tatis. Um, this is about what I expected. I didn't expect them to come out of the gate top with the injuries that they've had. And yeah. But the surprising team in the West, the Colorado Rockies are 10 and 5. I didn't think they'd get 10 wins until June. They, they, had a, they had a great opening series against L.A. They did. They looked really good, and their pitching has shocked me. I don't think it's going to stay like that because they play in Colorado. But, I mean, this team, they're further along than I thought. Obviously, they could fall off the face of the earth, which is probably what's going to happen. But maybe they don't only win 50 games. This might actually be a 70 win team and they may keep it interesting late into the season you know everyone clowned him for the Chris Bryant signing because you just traded Nolan Arenado and ate some of his contract to move him 
just to go sign Chris Bryant to a $200 million contract. It didn't make much sense, but hey, I mean, 10 and 5 in April, hey, take that. Take that. And then um, the Giants, you got the Giants and Dodgers up Yeah, at- I mean, they've, there's not much to talk about there. Yeah. They've done what they, they needed to do. The Dodgers have gotten a resurgent Cody Bellinger. Uh, he's looked very good this first month. Thank God, because he looked lost. Um, he looked like a double play. Eh, double A might be a stretch. He looked like someone that's never picked up a bat before. But uh, we're going to skip the two central divisions outside the Reds because, I mean, the NL Central is pretty mediocre. Shout out Logan Webb um, for San Fran, killing it so far. Oh, yes. He is. He needs to get his flowers. Yeah. Logan Webb is on. He's on the, the precipice of being a top 10 player or a top 10 pitcher. Um, shout out to the Cubs. We will talk about the NL Central, I guess. Um, say Suzuki, that's your pick for rookie of the year. He has been absolutely stellar. Um, I'm glad that's translated. Japanese players get a terrible rap, um, especially hitters. You know, there's a lot that's said about Japanese players. He's come over. He's done great. He has been a big reason why the Cubs have looked as good as they have. Still seven and nine, but a plus 19 run differential, and they've got a good, a big series against Atlanta. Pittsburgh's eight and eight somehow. Um, with a minus 28 run differential. I don't know how, uh, but I guess congrats through making it a- making it through April with a non-losing record. Uh, Milwaukee and St. Louis have played Milwaukee and St. Louis baseball. The East, the story here, um, Philadelphia can't play defense. Like I said, it came from an unexpected source. Alec Boehm has made a ton of errors. Um, I thought it would be everyone else, uh, but... They can't play defense. They hit the cover off the ball when they do hit it. And the Mets are the hottest team in the league right now. They're 12-5. and five. They're scoring a lot of runs, and their pitching is good. Um, Jacob DeGrom is not playing again, though. So, I mean, that, that's typical for them. It's just a little earlier this time. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the Mets' offense is getting rolling. You know, uh, Lindor's having a bounce-back <clears throat> season. He's looked better. Than uh, he has last season. I forgot that they had uh, Carrasco. You know, yeah. when DeGrom is healthy, they have a really good four straight starters with DeGrom, Scherzer, and then would you go Bassett, then Carrasco? Or yeah. Carras- okay. Yeah. yeah they I have the best rotation in, in baseball, for being honest, with DeGrom healthy. Yeah, for, it's never been defensively, can they get it done? It's, can we get the run support? This this has been the only time where they've been able to get the run support because right now they have a 32 or plus 32 run differential. Yeah, I mean, they've done, they've done really good. Um, and their expected win-loss based on their run scored is 12 and 5. So they've played, they've played it to the T. Yeah. Um. But shout out to the Mets They're having a great, great start. Um, that's pretty much it for the NL. It's been kind of a quiet. The West has been a bloodbath. Uh, you know, the NL West has been great. They're they're off to hot starts. You know, Central is boring as always. In the East, Atlanta has underperformed, but Matt Olson has. You know, he's gotten off to a great start in in Atlanta, so that's great to see. And Philadelphia, like I said, can't defend. And Washington, I mean, outside of Juan Soto and Nelson Cruz, there's really no reason to watch that team. Uh, but going to the – you want to say anything? To be honest, I, I don't know why Nelson Cruz signed there. 
They may have been the only. Well, I, I highly doubt a contender offered him. You know that is weird because of all with all the the DH openings. Because now you got a yeah. full DH. You would think a team would offer him. You know, and you know what's hilarious is the GM of Milwaukee said that Andrew McCutcheon wasn't in their budget, but they squeezed him in because he's Andrew McCutcheon. That that goes to show you that some teams just don't care about spending money, and their owners use their team as a piggy bank. Andrew McCutcheon. He can't be making more than $5 million. Why not? For a team like Milwaukee, they can't score runs. Christian Yelich has not looked like an MVP in two seasons. Whether it's due to injury or him just being bad, he he's not the same guy. That offense is not going to score runs. They have a great rotation. They have a great bullpen. They have a top three staff in, in baseball. They can't score. Why not go get Nelson Cruz? You know what you're going to get, at least for the first half of the season. I mean, he's old. He's going to taper off in the second half. But the first half, the guy's going to hit you 20 home runs. That's like, I'm thinking maybe he'll get traded to a contender that might need some hitting. But but what are you going to get for him? He's 40, and he he only plays DH. I don't know. I mean, we've seen him bounce around at at his old age. Yes, he has bounced around. I'm saying he's valuable, but a contender is not going to – give you a top prospect for him. You oh, no, I would give a top prospect for him. You're going to get a lottery ticket when you could have just signed him in the offseason. Yeah. I I don't know what the market looked like for him. I just thought it was very weird how he, Any of these Inno Central teams, any of them, and literally any of them could have used him in their lineup, maybe outside of St. Louis. Pittsburgh, you need someone. I mean, yeah. your prospects are coming up. You know, Contreras is down in the minors. He's actually, no, he's in the majors now. He just got his first major league win, I think. You know, he looks really good. Um, to Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, that's that's pretty much all your offense. You couldn't have used Nelson Cruz to be a little bit more competitive. Yeah, you might still lose 100 games, but really? Cincinnati, you said you wanted to compete still. You made all these trades, you still wanted to compete, right? <laughs> Where's Nelson Cruz at? I just think it's like there's AL teams too that could have used them. I feel like, yeah, I, uh, Houston could have. Well, Jordan Alvarez can't play the outfield, so never mind. I just I, because I remember seeing them when they revealed the jerseys. I'm like, oh my god, I forgot that Nelson Cruz is signed here. I'm like, this is, this is weird because he's usually on like, a contending team. I feel like you know what I mean. Yeah. But um, hopefully it's not his last year because I do want to see him finish with a winner. Yeah. Uh, bouncing over to the AL, I guess that's pretty much the NL overlook. I don't want to go too much into like performance, like specific. Yeah, it, it's not. Yeah, it's not a month. April. Um, out west, the team that I said would to watch out for is playing extraordinary baseball. The Seattle Mariners. Their pitching staff is excellent. Matt Brash, like I said, that kid's nasty. Uh, I think the rest of the league is figuring it out. He is dirt nasty. And Robbie Ray is proving that last year is not a fluke, and he's pitching okay. Their offense, uh, Julio Rodriguez has gotten off to a horrid start. He was striking out, I think, coming into the last game, he was striking out 44% of the time. Just an absolute terrible start. Him and Bobby Witt both don't look ready. But there's an adjustment period. I'm just glad that the the CBA has encouraged these teams to bring them up. I would rather watch Julio Rodriguez struggle in the minor leagues 
or struggle in the major leagues than not hear about him doing well in the minor leagues. You know, I want to see him. Yeah, he may struggle. I want to see him though. So I'm I'm glad that he's brought up. Uh, the rest of the AOS, Texas signed Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager to go five and ten. Um, they <laughs> it, it, at least it's not like Cincinnati and their least pain. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, they scored 71 runs. Uh, Cincinnati probably won't hit that for another month and a half. Uh, Houston, uh, they've been kind of eh. Jeremy Pena is the story right there. He's replaced Carlos Correa seamlessly. But this team is just eh. Uh, they just uh, they just walked off. Who'd they walk off today? Texas. I think they walked off Texas today. They just walked them off of the Jeremy Pena home run. He's been really good. Obviously, it's early. None of this stuff really matters. I'm just trying to give you an overview. Oakland has played better than anyone expected. And they're 9-8, and eight, and the Angels are 9-7. and seven. Mike Trout is Mike Trout. Shohei Itani has looked much better on the mound than he has looked with the bat. Let me tell you, he is not hitting well at all. But, yeah, the West, the West has been as expected, really. Outside of Oakland, you know, you swap Houston and Oakland, that's about what I expected the West to look like. The AL Central, the most boring division in baseball, maybe. Uh, shout out to Miguel Cabrera. He finally got 3,000. I'm glad it wasn't against the Yankees. Yes, walking him was the right thing to do in that situation. He's slow, and Lucas Litge is destroys left-handed pitching, uh, or left-handed hitting. It, it is what it is. But, uh, I mean, all these teams are below 500. Minnesota's 8-8. Eight and eight. They lead the division. This is just terrible. Uh, Cleveland looked like the best offense in, in baseball to strike the month. And uh, they played more they games. Played, and yeah. Then they played the Yankees and guess what? Is there anything you want to add to that? Um, Austin Meadows got traded to Detroit, I'd say. That's that's yeah. about it in the AL Central. I, do you think it was a good trade or bad trade for him? Well, I mean, he won him the game against the Yankees, so. Okay. <laughs> Uh, how about Torkelson? How's he look? He's looked okay. You know, he's definitely young, but he's he's finding his groove. And I I like Detroit's future a lot. I think they're you know, I think if they can stay in the thick of it, they'll surprise some teams. The White Sox they are getting decimated by injuries right now. They just lost uh, Elo Jimenez to a, a torn hamstring. Their pitching has been subpar. And now their offense has taken a major hit. And it's getting to the point where you can't count on that guy as a part of the core anymore. He gets injured every single season. Um, and it sucks because he's a bright young star. He's one of the best power hitters in baseball, but it just is what it is. For Kansas City, uh, it's the Bobby Witt show. You know, you just want to watch him, watch him grow. There's not much more going on there. But, yeah, Cleveland, you know, they were hot. And then they're not. <laughs> it is what it is. Minnesota, Carlos Correa hasn't looked great, but Byron Buxton is healthy. And, uh, you know, as we said in preseason, Byron Buxton in spring training until about June looks like the best player in baseball. So this is squarely in best player in baseball territory. He just did a 469 foot walk off home run today. If the guy can stay healthy, he's an MVP candidate. He just cannot stay healthy. Now to the more in-depth breakdowns, Tommy, I'll, I'll let you take it away for the AL East. What have the Red Sox done this first month of baseball? Uh, they've been up and down, I'd say. You know, they just can't get the bats going. 
their pitching has been solid. You know, some games they shut them down. Some games they're giving up seven runs. It's just. It's been better than expected, though. Would yeah. You say that. Yeah, so it, it's what, been better than expected, especially with Chris Sale out. Garrett Whitlock might start. I mean, you just started him. He, yeah. you know, he just had his first He looked start. amazing. He looked, looked amazing in that. Um, but if you keep him in the bullpen, which you may not because your rotation does need help. But if just based off the bullpen performance, he might have to start being in the conversation for best multi-inning bullpen arm in the league. Yeah, I I mean, I was shocked with how good he looked um, against the Rays just because you never know what he's going to look like as a starting pitcher. I, For me, I, I need the bats to wake up for this team. I, as, much as, as much as Whitlock looked great, there's a more concerning situation with the bats. I mean, we're not – there's some games we're held under four runs multiple times with a lineup like this. We should be getting around five runs a game yeah. at least Trevor story looked up and down so far. They got hit with a COVID bug um, going to Toronto and in Tampa. It is what it is. Kiki did not look good in the Yankee series. Kind of picked it up. JD's looked okay. I won't say great. Xander and Rot or Xander endeavors have been themselves. Jack Bradley, Jack Bradley Jr. has been good. Xander has been hitting the cover off the ball. Um, he did have that injury scare in the Yankee series. I'm glad that he's okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Boston is they're about where I expected them, if I'm being honest. I thought I was a little disappointed in the series against the Yankees. I was disappointed in both teams, though. I think, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, you always, it lives up to a standard. Yeah. And honestly, that series didn't really live up to that standard. It was pretty boring all three games outside of a couple moments. Um, but, yeah, Boston, it's early again. None of this really matters. But if the bats wake up, the pitching has looked better than I think anybody expected early on. That's a serious team right there. Yeah. It- the thing is, they just need to get the bats going. Pitching's been great, which is shocking, just because this team's starting pitching was ranked towards the bottom coming into the year. And, I mean, you look at the bullpen, there was nothing there. Yeah, nothing. Like, that was bare bones. That, Chame, Chame has – he's uh, he's made something out of nothing, for real. Yeah. That, there's been – there's not a better saying than he made something out of nothing. Uh, I'm excited for the future with the prospects coming up. I'd like, I, I just, I like the mentality of always competing. I don't like tanking and yeah. Red Sox do that from time to time. Do you think that Jalen Duran can get a starting outfield spot? Uh, you know, I feel like he's kind of a spark plug that that offense could use. Um, and let's be honest, you know, if he gets anything with the bat, it might be worth starting him over Jackie Bradley Jr. I thought there were, he was going to be on the opening day lineup, to be honest. I thought he, you know, what blew me away was stealing or tagging up from second to home. I think plays like that is what this team needs. Jackie Bradley Jr., you know, 220 on the year, five RBIs. 
I definitely don't see the harm in bringing bringing them up. You know what I mean? Have JBJ yeah. there as um, not the every start start him out as the everyday right fielder, Jackie Bradley. See how Duran does him coming in in we'll say one game a series or one game out of the three game yeah, series. See how series, he does. Yeah. But I don't think it hurt. I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean the offense just needs a jolt. You know, Trevor Story has not lived up to the signing. I don't. I mean, I think you agree with that. He's been yeah. pretty. Eh, he's not looked great at all. Um, but I, and, I do think with Story, it's just because he he's still getting his feet under himself. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So I'm, you know, Trevor Story is. Just because he he's gonna hit. he didn't. Uh, I don't think he was with us all of spring training, so. He's gonna that, hit, you know, yeah. It's gonna take him a little bit longer to get going, and Xander Endeavors, like you said, I mean Raphael Endeavors is, and I mean Xander as well. Those two are moving up the Yankee killer list. I mean they're up there and they're up there in high territory now. Every series they play against us, I mean, you circle two names, and you know it's crazy. You got them, and then JD Martinez is hitting right behind them. So it's not like the middle order for the Red Sox is extremely scary. And it kind of comes down to the same thing as the Yankees. It's going to be the bottom of the order that determines the lineup success. Yeah, and someone who stepped up big in the Yankees series was Alex Verdugo. Yeah. Alex Verdugo right now is hitting 291, three home runs, 11 RBIs, and 840 OPS. He's been everything they've known or everything they've wanted since getting him, and I think he's turning into a star player right now. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, I saw Alex Verdugo stat on Twitter. He's launching the ball more. His launch angle, I think, is up four to five degrees, and his ground ball rate is lower than it's ever been in his career. Um, the numbers are probably unsustainable, but he's on the right track. Obviously, exit velocity, launch angle, that's what you want. And it's not even about home runs. Ground balls don't get you paid. Ground balls are probably the worst thing in baseball, if we're being honest. Um, you know, it used to maybe not be like that before the shift, but with the shift the way it is, ground balls are death. I'd rather you strike out, to be honest, than hit a ground ball when a runner's on base because it just – you got to hit the ball in the air. And if he's hitting the ball in the air and hitting it hard, which are two things he's done this season, like you said, the results are going to come. He has an 840 OPS. And this is what we needed to replace Mookie, really. Uh, everyone else, you know, they had Devers, they had um, JD Martinez, they had Bogarts when Mookie was there. Yeah, and Verdugo's filling in that role, and he's doing great. Yeah. Uh, moving on to before I talk about my Yankees, um, Toronto looks like one of the best teams in baseball. Um, they played the Yankees tough. I mean, Vlad Jr. just destroyed us. And he's a special talent. And that offense has been pretty much as advertised. The pitching has been eh. Kevin Gosman had a rough start, but his last two games, including against the Yankees, have been really good. So Toronto has looked like Toronto. They've gotten off to about what I expected them to get off to. And Tampa, like we said, man, before the season, death taxes and them pulling up some no names. You know, they get all these injuries. And Shane McClanahan is no no-name. He's a top prospect, but he's play, he's pitched lights out. Uh, he looks like an ace again. Uh, I just 
I'm getting tired of it. You know, their offense really isn't that great. Wander Franco just seems like he can carry the whole team, though. You know, the Rays have figured it out, man. They figured it out. They will never have to pay a player if they're going to continue to just make rosters like this and play good baseball. And they've played good baseball. They have the most runs scored in the AL East. They're four runs behind Cleveland. So I just I don't get it. I, I, I don't. It just is what it is. It's the Tampa Bay way of baseball. It works for them. It's been working for them, and it looks like it's going to continue to work for them. The East has been really good. Boston at seven and nine. You know that's a team. I'm. Um, you know you don't discount Boston. This this division is four four deep. And honestly, you know we didn't talk about Baltimore much. I'll touch on them right now. Their pitching has looked outstanding. I yes. mean, they completely shut the Yankees down, which isn't saying much, but <laughs> the way we were hitting that series, at least, their pitching has looked excellent. And moving the fence back, I mean, they moved it They moved it back. It's about 380, uh, not down the line, but like 380 out there, left center now. It's worked. Uh, a 6-10 and 10 start with Adley Rutschman on the way, hopefully, and maybe you bring up Grayson Rodriguez. You know, if the pitching continues to, to hold up, and it looks like they have a relief ace now in Dylan Tate. Obviously, they just lost John Means uh, to Tommy John, so that sucks. But Baltimore might surprise some people, you know. They're going to finish last, uh, you know, barring anything catastrophic happens to the four teams ahead of them. But they may, they may be exciting and bad instead of bad and boring. It might be a 70-team win or 70-win team. You never know. You know, they have, a, they have a sneaky little offense. You know, yeah. Austin Hayes, Ryan Mountcastle, those guys can hit. Anthony Santander is no slouch. And obviously, Cedric Mullins is great. Um, yeah, Baltimore, you know, it's going to rely on the pitching. If the pitching starts getting shelled, I mean, this team is going to lose 100 games. But if the pitching can be okay, you know, league average, you never know. They might they might surprise some people. They might mess around and mess around. They might mess around and mess around. Shout out to Baltimore. You took two out of three against the Yankees. And then who's that leave in the AL East? Uh, the Stankies. Um, the Spankmies right now. That's, that's that's what they're doing. They're, they're 10 and 6. We just put the clamps on Cleveland. Um, this is our best series all year. But, I mean, I, I sent you the rant. Um, I just got to get something off my chest. I, the floor is yours. I, I've seen the light. This fan base is the worst fan base in sports. It, it's not even close. I will take Cowboys fans over Yankees fans any day of the week now. I mean, listen, I'm a reactionary person. You know, I get my I get hyped. Uh, you know, I start saying crazy things like Derek Jeter's the greatest baseball player. Ever. I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. But <laughs> I've never seen a fan base more overreactionary. You know, I've heard in 16 games, we started six and 10 last year in our first 16. We're 10 and six this time tied for the best record in the AL. That's not good enough for Yankees fans. I've heard that Garrett Cole's a bum. He can't pitch without spider tech. Um, Garrett Cole was the best pitcher after spider tech was banned from July 1st through September 1st was the best pitcher in baseball, Tommy, statistically. He can't pitch without spider tech. No, the hamstring injury had nothing to do with it. He's just the bum without spider tech. Okay, fine. 
I've Aaron Judge doesn't deserve to bet on himself because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit three home runs and Aaron Judge didn't hit three home runs to tie him. And Aaron Judge isn't a top 100 player in baseball, Tom. He's not top 100. There's 100 players better than him. Giancarlo Stanton's a bum. He just carried us in the last two playoff runs we've made. Not much of a run. I mean, we lost to, to Boston, but he's the reason we got there. And then against Tampa Bay, he was the only bat that showed up other than Glaber Torres. Um, Joey Gallo is not a major league player. That he's not a top three left fielder. Listen, boomers. No one cares about strikeouts anymore. This is the new age of baseball. Batting average does not mean that much. Sure, I don't want him to bat 100, but batting 200 is not a death sentence anymore. If you're batting at the Mendoza line, Joey Gallo has a 350, 360 on base percentage. He's getting on base a ton. He plays elite defense. and He's going to hit you 30 to 40 home runs. Is it pretty? <laughs> no, it is not pretty. But I will take that over someone that grounds out every single play and bats 260 with a, with a 300 on base percentage. He's, he's a more productive winning player with the way baseball is set up. Like I just said, hitting ground balls does nothing for you against the shift. But yeah, that's my rant. The Yankees fan base is ungrateful and they don't deserve happiness. And, af- and they just... They showed it. They perfectly encapsulated it in the Cleveland series. Stephen Kwan, who's been one of the most exciting players in baseball this early stretch, he just had a great month. He's, you know, energi- he's energized that Cleveland franchise. He's one of their better prospects, comes up, and is finally getting his shot in the majors, and he's proven that he belongs here, and he's playing hard. He didn't look good in left field all series, by the way. He was definitely having trouble finding the wall, and he's just not used to playing in Yankee Stadium. First time there. It is what it is. He goes hard in the ninth inning. It's a hard hit ball by IKF. Hits the wall, gets hurt, gets cut up. It's a new fence and gets cut up. What do Yankee fans do? The classy fan base that we are. I don't know exactly what was said. I'm not going to bring race into it. But Stephen Kwan is Asian. You know, and they were they were heckling him for being injured. That's classless. So Miles Straw, the center fielder for the Indians, defended his teammate as he should. And at the end of the game, what do Yankees fans in the opposite side of the field, mind you, in right field, what do they do? They decide to throw trash on the field after we just got a walk off hit, a walk off pinch hit from at that from a player that's struggling. They throw trash on the field, and we make this series not about that the Yankees got their first sweep of the year, that the offense finally woke up, that the pitching has looked good, and we just shut down one of the best offenses in baseball early on in the season. It's about our fan base and how classless we are. That's depressing to me. It it wasn't a good look. I You hate to see it just because this should never happen. That it doesn't matter what fan base it is, that should never happen to a player. And it it's just an awful look for baseball, too. It's just the fan base is terrible. 
that I, I mean, it's partly on me for saying, you know, feeling this way because I'm so plugged in, right? You know, I'm very in tune with the fan base. I, I'm, I'm there. I'm not at the games, but I'm, I'm in the live threads. I'm, you know, talking about the game with all the fans all the time. But they're just the most spoiled brats. They act like this team has been terrible. We're ten and six, and they act like the the world is falling down. That's falling apart. I would love to see this organization, these fans, deal with an actual bad organization. I guarantee you there would be no Yankees fans if we were the Cincinnati Reds, right? There'd yeah. be no fans to speak of. These fans are only fans because the Yankees don't lose games. We went 92-70 and 70 with a terrible team, Tommy. You know how bad the Yankees looked last year. It wasn't, think, it wasn't a think, pretty team. And they think this team is worse. So that has been my takeaway early in the season from the Yankees. They've played good. They're 10-6. and six. The Bats finally woke up today. They scored 10 against Cleveland. But my takeaway early in the season has been that the Yankees fan base is immature, they're spoiled, and they're classless. And that sucks that that's been my takeaway for the first month of the season. It, it's sad. I, you know, I think for me – I. I feel like Boston has a fan base that's like that as well with fans that are from Boston. I feel like when you take fans that don't live in the actual city of their team, I feel like are better than, or are worse than the fans that live out of the city. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, Boston fans to their credit are known for their antics. Yeah. And their they're, they're just as bad. But I just – Boston fans know what it feels like to lose. You know, they know what it feels like to have bad teams. Yankees fans have never experienced that, or at least not fans our age. Yeah. You know? They haven't had a losing season since I've been alive. So I can't sit here and say that a team is bad. We've had mediocre teams, sure. Joe Girardi pulled the corpses of some Yankees teams to winning records. Yeah, they haven't been good teams of the year, but they've never been losing teams. Those uh, teams when Jeter retired, those are some rough years. They were That's, rough. Yeah, but, but they got through them. You, get, you put those teams against this year's Cincinnati Reds, they sweep them. In a seven-game yeah. series, they don't lose a game. It, it's – I just feel like Yankees fans have – hold their teams for – these standards that are impossible. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. I get that it, we're the Yankees. I want us to yeah. have that mystique still, but it's not the 50s anymore, people. They're not afraid of the pinstripes, you know? We've been the favorites for a while. One of the favorites to come out of the AL and win a World Series. We haven't done it. You know, 2018, you can chalk it up to the maybe the greatest Boston Red Sox team of all time. We still got embarrassed on our home field. Absolutely embarrassed. Our worst playoff defeat in history after Aaron Judge trolled the Red Sox. I mean, blown off our home field. The Rays have lapped us. The I mean, Astros, yeah, they cheat, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, our letter from our sign stealing uh, saga is about to get opened up to the public. Everyone knew the Red Sox and Yankees sign stole. Everyone. So we're no better than them. You know, it doesn't matter how big the operation is. You try to com- gain a competitive advantage using technology. It's wrong. 
so we're we're running out of excuses here, people. I get that we're the Yankees. It's still World Series or bust, but it's not World Series or bust because we're the Yankees. It's World Series or bust because this team is where they're at. This is not the the Bronx. This is not the baby bombers anymore. Aaron Judge is thirty. You know, if we don't win in the next couple seasons, it's World Series or bust because we're old. Not because these guys are in their primes. And with Aaron Judge seeing this from fans, I, I don't think this that, makes him yep, want to. Yep. And booing your own players has yeah. never made anyone do any better. Booing Joey Gallo because he's struggling early in the season is not going to magically make him do good his next at bat. You know who you boo? You boo a role as Chapman because he's actually not a good person. You boo Domingo Herman because he's not a good person. You don't boo Joey Gallo, who's the nicest guy maybe on the team. Because he's struggling. You know, I listened to that man mic'd up and it was it I, I was laughing. He was he seems like a fun guy, a nice guy. He doesn't deserve that. Yeah, his play style isn't pretty, you know? Yes. It, I don't want to see him strike out two hundred times. But let's not act like he's not hitting the cover off the ball. You can't account for luck. The guy has been super unlucky. And he's been somewhat like this since Texas. Yeah, I mean, it just is. We know what we're getting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Listen, should he be our third, fourth best hitter? No. But having him bat sixth or seventh, he hits 40 home runs. By the end of the season, you have gotten better production out of the six or seven hole than a lot of teams will get out of their six or seven hole. And a lot better defense than a lot of teams will get in left field or right field, whichever, wherever we decide to play it. So I'm just, I'm just tired of Yankees fans. You know, I just want us to to be classy. I don't want us to to win and, and act the way we do when we win, and then at the same time go and 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 crap all over our team when we play bad. It's baseball, people. It's a hundred and sixty-two game season. Why are we overreacting to sixteen games? Out of hundred sixty-two. Out of hundred and sixty-two. <laughs> Uh, baseball fans are passionate, man. That's one way to. Yeah, they're some of them are. Some of them are a little messed up. I, I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. Um, anything else you want to add? No, it's been a great first month of baseball. Some, you know, some shocks, some not so shocking developments like Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know. Honestly, with the way offense has pretty much been dead across the league, you know, it's not been pretty for any hitter, really. It's been a pretty decent first month, you know? Yeah, especially since we didn't know if we were going to have a first month for a while. Exactly. I'm just happy I, that we, we get to have it. Yeah. But it, it's just, you know, people say, you know, baseball is a boring sport. But for me, I watch the highlights. I may not catch every game especially yeah. since I don't get the Boston games, but watching those highlights, there's something different about baseball highlights. Yeah. I feel like, you know, out of all sports, we're talking about peak moments. A big shot in basketball evokes, you know, a game winner evokes a lot of reaction out of fans. Uh, you know, in, in football, a touchdown will get you to, to, to celebrate a lot. They, you know, and maybe it's because I'm, baseball is my favorite sport, right? I love the NFL. I'm a passionate NFL fan. You know that. 
and I'm, I'm a big basketball fan. I'm not as passionate as I once was when I was a kid. I was much more in love with basketball as a kid. I'm not that passionate anymore. But there's just nothing that gets me out of my seat and more excited than a walk-off hit. There's yeah. just something about baseball that the big moments are just so much more rewarding than any other sport. It's because Joe Buck's on the call for most of them. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, before we go... I got a little surprise for you. Oh, I didn't bring this up uh, before we planned out the episode, but it's the return of cash or pass, baby. Okay. I got the Monday games and the Tuesday games pulled up for the NBA playoffs. You know the drill. Yeah. I'll give, I'll give you a number. You can give me cash that. Well, I'm going to pass that. All right, we got. We'll go first game: Celtics Nets. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. Boston Celtics plus one and a half spread. You taking it? My, it's right now. It's minus one fifteen odds. Plus one and a half. Yeah, I'll cash that. All right. I think there. I think they'll. Yeah. And right now, you're gonna cash this one. Money line plus one hundred. Boston. Yes. I'll take Boston to win. Toronto, Philly, spread plus seven and a half, minus one ten. Yeah, give me the Raptors. I'll cash it. Plus seven and a half. Money line plus two sixty for yeah, Toronto. I'm not taking it. And then Utah, Dallas, Jazz plus two and a half spread. No, I think I think Dallas is going to beat the brakes off of them. Would you cash the minus 150 Dallas money line then? Is that what you're yes. saying? Would you do minus two and a half for Dallas? Yes. All right. We'll go to Tuesday games. Atlanta, Miami. Miami, minus six and a half spread. They just beat the brakes off of them tonight. Um, They're back in ball. Miami. They won by no, 24, 24. Um, yeah, I'll take the hot. Mm. Is it in Miami? It's in Miami. No, I won't take them. You're not taking the point or plus six and a half spread? No. All right. And then money lines for Miami, minus 275, Hawks, plus 220. I'll, um, take, I'll take Miami on the money line. Miami money line. You think that's a good line? I think they could. I think they could pull it off, but I don't think they're gonna. Yeah. I didn't know if it was good because minus two seventy five. That's kind of. Well, I guess if I'm saying that, I would take yeah. the plus six and a half because they may not. You know what? No, I won't take the money line. I will take the plus six. And a half. Plus six and a half. So it's minus one ten with the plus six and a half. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty good deal. Um, Minnesota, Memphis. Minnesota plus six and a half. Yes, all day, every day. You're gonna take the two twenty money line plus two twenty. In Memphis, nah, but I'll I'll take them to keep the game close. And then, oh, they already have the Wednesday games out now. Um, Chicago plus no. ten plus ten and a half. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I'm not taking them on the money line either. Matter of fact, give me Bucks minus 30. Bucks money line is minus 550 right now. And then we'll go Denver and Golden State. Denver plus eight and a half spread. Uh, in the Chase Center. Uh, nah, I think Golden State's going to close it out pretty dominantly. All right, and then you take the Golden State money line. I'm assuming, uh, actually, I don't know. I, that's kind of high. Minus 400. Yeah, no, nah, pass. All right, that's all the NBA games for this week so far. As we know, we might we might get into new series and during the later. Yeah, you never know. Okay. But I, I hope you enjoyed that session of cash or pass. I wanted to surprise you for uh, this podcast. I give you a little heads up, try to get you yeah. thinking on the spot. Um, anything else you want to add before we sign off? Um, I do want to mention a uh, matchup that I'm kind of looking forward to in baseball. Yeah. Um, this week it is the Yankees versus the Orioles. (laughs) (laughs) This is our revenge tour, baby. You took two out of three of us. You're coming to the Bronx. I want them showing. I want, I want the Yankees showing up in all black for their funeral. Yeah, that will happen. Um, I hope we win. But no, I did have an actual um, – this this week, I want everyone to look at the Mariners-Rays series. Um, this is a great benchmark for both of these teams. I, I'm going to be bold here. It's in, the, it's in the trop. Seattle sweep. Seattle sweep? Seattle sweep. Really? That that's my bold prediction for the MLB this week. Seattle sweep. You bring out the broom. I would grab the broom, but it's in the kitchen right now. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to say? Nope. All right. Uh, before before we go, I would like to mention that Mr. Navarro here is going to be starting his own podcast soon about fantasy football. Would you like to talk more about it? Um, you know, I'm a very day-to-day person, as you know. Yeah. Very moody. So I it is an idea. <laughs> I would definitely like to start one, talk about fantasy football, have my lovely co-host, Vanna White, Tommy Tallarino, um, along with me, talk about our league, um, and just talk about fantasy football. You know, we kind of phased that out here on the locker room because it's just a lot to talk about, and the episodes are getting too long. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I I'm a passionate fantasy football guy. It's probably my favorite pastime. Tommy knows I I spend countless countless hours on fantasy football. So why not? You know, from the nights those- I kept them up in the dorm rooms, that's what he was studying. <laughs> record those. Record those those conversations we have and put them out there. Yeah. Uh, fantasy football. We both, we both love it. We're both, both pretty good at it. You know, we did pretty good last year and years yeah. prior. 
I did beat you three three times. Yeah, so you went back. <laughs> you, you had the drink in you and you went back to back. I get it, Drake. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm just glad my team got there. I had Kendrick Bourne <laughs> as my second best wide receiver. And Clyde was Clyde Edwards Hilaire was my second best running back. It was it wasn't pretty. But yeah, for, for people that are interested in fantasy football podcasts, definitely check this out. We're gonna talk about everything going on in our league. It, it's an exciting league. 12 man league. We um we have some fun times. We we like to stir the pot between everyone. And we're gonna talk about our experiences in the league and we're I'm sure we'll give some advice along the way of who to pick up, who to not, who to stay away yeah, from. Right. Yeah. I've, you know, I've won a lot the last five or six years. So, yes. Not, yes. not to bag, but I talk about it a lot. Uh, but it's definitely something that you should really check out once it gets going. But for now, that is all we have here today. And, you know, this, this has been a great time. I've enjoyed it. We are coming down to the end of the school year. I have about three weeks left till finals. I don't, Jordan, are you two weeks? Uh, I will be done more likely than not by next weekend. By next weekend. Okay. So we might be in store for one more episode before the summer. Yep. And then the summer and months. Uh, we get a miss, man. Yeah, we don't know how how often uploads are just because, you know, we're busy, man. We got to get that bread. Get that bread, get that bread. But maybe, maybe we'll do a live podcast one day. You never know. In person. You know what? I would love, I would absolutely love this, Tommy. Let's try to, we'll plan this out, obviously. Yeah. Try to get one. Um. And do a live live broadcast of a baseball game. Yeah. Oh, we definitely can. You know, I you know, I'm not a broadcasting major. A lot of people say I miss my calling. By a lot of people, I mean myself. Um, you, you definitely did. I'm I'm sad that you're going um, in the business end. But you know, I never got an opportunity to get in the booth with you. You know, let's let's do a virtual booth. Let's let's call a game. Oh, you definitely can. Well, we can call any game you want. You let me know when, and I'll be there. All right, I want to call a softball game. I can do that. I caught a foul ball <laughs> while I was calling a softball game once. If God, it's calling so- lacrosse, you're on your own. <laughs> you you know how that went. Yep, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, that's all we ha- that's all we have here today. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the locker room. We hope you enjoyed, and until next time, have a great one. Peace.